Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a Welcome to the Dork Forest. It's Jackie Cation. I'm your host. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. It's October. And here's what we have in October. We have a new sponsor. And that sponsor is Earth 2 Comics, where Andy and I get our pull list. That's right. We go to the Sherman Oaks Earth 2 Comics on Ventura Boulevard. There's also an Earth 2 Comics in Northridge on Reseda Boulevard. If you go to earth2comics.com, which is their website and currently points to their Facebook page, you can get addresses and you can be part of the discussion of the upcoming Marvel DC crossover all-out war story arc. I'm here to tell you the, the good news about Earth 2 Comics, which is that Car D'Angelo was on a couple of episodes ago talking about DC Comics. Super friendly staff, really helpful. We have our poll list there. I love it, and Car is super nice. And he was on the show talking about DC Comics. And on October 8th in the Sherman Oaks store, there's going to be a, a Walking Dead party at midnight, the Midnight Walking Dead party with free cake. The cake is real, you guys. It's not a portal-like moment. And special giveaways. Earth2comics.com is their website. And if you go into the Sherman Oaks store or the Northridge store, if you're in Los Angeles, you get 10% off your first purchase if you mention the Dork Forest. And do it. Mention the Dork Forest so that he knows that uh, Rangers of the Dork Forest love me. I don't know. Me? Really? Uh <laughs> Earth 2 Comics is great. They won the best of LA from the LA Weekly and they have an Eisner Award from Comic Con. So go into the store, enjoy, and thank you very much. Let's begin. Welcome to the show, James Adomian. How you doing in my living room? I'm, I'm doing well. And in your living room, it seems even better. Thank right. you, Jackie. It's a, it's cozy, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, we're, 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 my husband might come home. I've left all the windows and doors open because it's the first nice day in a million years. And so. Oh, I forget you guys are in the Arizona climate. Oh, dude, so <laughs> hot lately. And so I've been like, let's just, let's just have it. Let's On the USA Today weather map, Van Nuys is always in the same band as like. Oh, as Arizona, Phoenix, as Phoenix. It just, yeah. And so this is the first overcast day and lovely. And, uh, so. I've but- been really liking it too. The weather's really nice. Yeah. We're, it's, we're also a test, uh, area. Area for helicopters, so uh, it gets a little loud. <laughs> Do they really test I, them? That there's no other, there's not enough <laughs> criminals running on the ground for them to do anything but to to check because they're genuinely like right above my fucking house. We just got, we got to make sure, we got to make sure this sector is uh, <laughs> divided into quadrants. <laughs> so I asked you what your. Uh, the first one of my favorite things is when I say to somebody, "Hey, somebody told me your dorkdom was," and then I say the word, and you're like, and then somebody says, "You know, that's uh, actually not the correct term." And I said, "Conspiracy theorists," uh-huh. and, you, and the first thing you said was, "That's actually I, I don't approve. I, I don't approve of that." Uh, <laughs> that is that is like majorly dorky. It's uh, well, it's perfect because and last week it was uh, it was ska music. And I said, and this is because the dork force is supposed to be a safe space, right? You're supposed yeah. to be able to do and talk about whatever you love, right? So I opened up the conversation with Kelly, with, uh, with Brandy Posey by saying, Hey, so ska music, a lot of drugs, a lot of stuff. She's like, no, no, not a lot of drugs, Jackie. Oh. And so. Let's, James Domian, you are on the Twitter or the Facebook? Any of the website? Uh, um, I'm scheduling? not on Facebook anymore. 
uh, not last couple you, years. You uh, take it, you run with it. I, I, I deleted it. I, Good for you. I, I blew it up. I got out of there. Um, they don't make it easy to get off Facebook. Though. No, they don't want you to leave. They know. <laughs> and and how did you did you were you able to get rid of? Yeah, yeah, I, I got off. I I, I is tra- it jamesadomian.com, by the way? Yes, that's okay, my website. That, all right, it looks nice. I don't do a great job of updating it. Right, right. Sure, looks pretty though. <laughs> it looks really pretty. What if people want to see you live doing this? Um, I tweet stuff, and okay. um, when I have a long run of shows, I'll, I'll I'll post them on my uh, my Tumblr page, my okay. blog. Oh, there you go. So, uh, and the it- short of it is, I'll be in Atlanta uh, in October, and I'll be in Miami in November, and then in January I'll be all over the Midwest. Awesome. So look for that because. Uh, yeah, you're one of my faves. And, uh, but let's do. Likewise. Uh, amen. Armenian little, faves. A little Armenian power. That's it. Whenever we're on the same show or we sub for each other, there's always like this weird, you're just looking for an Armenian. Is that it? Is that <laughs> I know, was? I know, I know. <laughs> okay. So why not conspiracy theories? Well, I, that's a phrase that was developed in the sixties in reaction to, uh, it was popularized in the sixties in reaction to the Kennedy assassination. To, okay. To go, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. And there's a lot of valid well, it belittles it exactly. Kind of. It's a kind of a pejorative term, and there's a there's a lot of valid uh, uh, conspiracies that take place. Uh, okay, there's whole agencies that are de- that are devoted to conspiring. <laughs> right, right. There's, there's whole branches of the government that are dedicated to yeah. conspiring against. Yeah, and I think also the the blanket term conspiracy theory like uh, uh, kind of brings in. Um, like stuff about repti- the reptilians and uh, the moon landing oh, right. and like crazier UFO stuff. And uh, right. I, I tend to sort of just be interested in, in uh, well, do you think that one author called it uh, deep politics? Deep politics. Which is a very dorky term. I don't expect you to go oh, for it. Oh, deep politics is a better term than, than conspiracy I'm, theory. I'm interested in following, uh, ge- geopolitical, uh, geopolitical maneuverings. Okay. And, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the wrangling of various intelligence agencies in the, within the country and in a, in, a, in a global scale. But I thought that they were in all the movies, they're against each other, right? They don't work together. Right. Well, there is a rivalry like that. Okay. They do have these sort of turf wars. Uh, notoriously, the FBI and the CIA kind of, uh, uh, have these turf wars with each other. Right, right. And then, and then because Homeland Security was created and invented, there's no, Supposedly, that they can stick their fingers in any pie because they're not overseen at all, right? Aren't yeah. they completely? Aren't they the? Don't they run Gitmo? I feel like they are in charge um, of. Uh, uh, Gitmo is the Marine Corps base, and yeah, um, it's where we put people. We well, we it's where we put our illegal prisoners. Basically. That's yeah, yeah. Our political prisoners are being kept offshore because mm-hmm. uh, the Constitution, weirdly we, enough, doesn't dissipates. apply in yeah. Cuba. Right. The further you get away from. Uh, from the center of the country, it doesn't it doesn't apply anymore. That's completely <laughs> it insane. Barely, it barely applies at the borders, <laughs> right? And right. The, Once it hits the border, there's trouble. Right. There's usually some guy in a hat pushing some child around. Well, that's why I, I was so I like I love Jesse Ventura, and I I, I make fun of him a lot. Yeah. One of the things that I found amusing and probably counterproductive, I loved his show uh, called Conspiracy Theory on True TV. Oh. Okay. Where he talks about a lot of stuff, and you know he'll he'll investigate some crazy theory and be like, I don't think it's likely. But more often <laughs> than not, he's like, I think there's evidence. I think it's possible. Or like, <laughs> seems to me, seems to me, any intelligence agency would do that. I know I have. Oh my god, I know I have that well, kind of thing. Well, he was a Navy SEAL, so he's always going like, I have oh. personal experience and explosives. That's right. That's but. 
the free, the, was the, he in Vietnam? I don't think so. I think he was, uh, well, guy, see, I don't know. I think he was maybe. I don't know how old he is. I think he was maybe after Vietnam. Like yeah, I feel 70s like. 70s and 80s. So he could have been like Iran Contra guy or he could have been Nicaragua. By then or... he was a professional wrestler. Oh, really? <laughs> I know this. I can, I can probably <laughs> dork out about Yeah, about Jesse too. Ventura. Wait, so when did he, when did he start wrestling? Um, I, now someone out there is going to probably know this better. We can Jackie at JackieCation.com. Like Jesse Ventura, I feel like his wrestling days are like '82, like early '80s. Oh, really? And then like his big, he's more famous as an announcer. I feel like, which is like For late wrestling. '80s, yeah, okay. mid '80s to late '80s. Okay. Um. So he was actually in, but he wasn't in like with the Crusher and Baron von Raschke and those guys. He was in the first incarnation of the big theatrical with a lot of production I ones, right? I believe that. I believe he was, um, uh, the, like before Hulk Hogan. Right. But Bef- that first wave of, uh, yeah. The yeah. Vince the, McMahon wrestling. The, the truly, we're, we're putting some makeup on. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. And his uh, persona was like, he had a, <laughs> what was his persona? <laughs> I don't even remember. Well, it's Jesse the body. Oh, that's right. Um, and so he was supposed to be an Adonis. That's it. <laughs> but he was more of just a brute bully. But, but, right, the, but he had long blonde hair, didn't he? He had long blonde hair, balding. Balding, uh, receding. And, like heavily receded. Receded. <laughs> and then uh like a pink feather boa. Oh, right. And he, he always had the feather boa stuff. And he was like an arrogant asshole. That was his persona. I remember because I lived in Minneapolis from 90 to 96 or 97. It's yep, all a blur. That's the time. He was, he was gearing he up was to run for president uh, of, uh, of Minnesota. I think of the late, late 98 to, ni- to 2000. Yes, he 2000. was pr- president of Minnesota. He was president of Minnesota. And- I, was, I was privately sworn in. <laughs> In case we had a continuity crisis of uh, government. One of my favorite things about him was, was the way, it's so weird that he was a wrestler and he's a conspiracy guy, but he's also he's a electable, elected governor, an elected governor of a bluish state. Yeah. Reddish blue. And uh, you know, I, 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 I feel like people like him. I feel like his, he's he popular. He's likable. Yeah. Cause he built the, uh, he built this, uh, Minneapolis St. Paul, um, or he he put the money through to build the uh even personally I right. personally built the <laughs> I wrote the check. light rail system there. Oh the light rail yeah. Well you know I didn't I didn't actually I, I would I would go back like three or four times. I'd sort of half lived there and here. And yeah. so it was it wasn't anything I never thought he was I mean my, my siblings who live in Minneapolis are super liberal and they were like, Well he's a moron. I can't believe we have a wrestler as a governor. Right. And and then Wellstone died. Mm-hmm. And Paul Wellstone died and very, very sad. The the saddest. Talk about. I mean, talk about some people thinking that that he yeah. was shot down, that there was tampering. It, that well, on all this is a side note. In cases like that, when there's a <laughs> when there's a mysterious death of yeah. a person who's politically active, yeah, uh, you could. I think you need to have a new uh, category of something where you go. There's a 30% chance that that the government killed that person. Right. right. That that person was and, killed by someone that could, in power. Because uh, you can't just – I'm sick of saying that, like, no, Paul Wellstone, it wasn't – it was an accident. Same thing with Michael Hastings, the Rolling Stone journalist. Oh, no. Right. Some of these are – some of these are hits. Right. Could have been Not all hit. of them, but Not I want to I want to establish that some of them are. Right, right. I mean, you can't prove that it is, but you can't prove that it isn't. Yeah. And I, I genuinely – 
you know, I, my oldest brother doesn't believe in aliens. He thinks that uh, there's no there's no possibility that there is life on another planet. Well, I mean, mathematically, there's a possibility. That's uh, he does not believe in math at this time. <laughs> he is uh, he is against math at this time. He doesn't see the evidence for it. He did. He, he I, it is the most expensive piece of uh, wallpaper that we've ever seen in our lives. The, I think it'd be really stars. cool if we're the first aliens. If we're the first ones, and, and, oh. like that would be such a Talk about an ego stroke. It would be an ego stroke. That's it, mostly why I like it. Yeah, yeah, I bet you that, <laughs> I bet you that's why. So, but I think that, yeah, but with a lot of, a lot of theories about, about deaths and stuff like that, I'm always like, God, I don't know. I mean, there's no reason why, cause I mean, when I think about the rage issues I have, yeah. you know, when I'm so mad, like I was really, it was yesterday, they cut all this funding to the, to the food stamp people. And you get very angry about it. So angry. I was yeah. like, I want to line them up against the wall and shoot them right. because how can they – but I'm not, I'm not a shooter. I'm not a revolutionary. I'm a middle-aged white lady. What right. the fuck? But then what if what if you're <laughs> what if you're someone whose job it is to shoot people and right. heretofore here it's been overseas when you're overthrowing a government somewhere right. and then, you know. All of a sudden something happens locally. And, he's, and, you, and it messes up your big billion-dollar racket. I got a plan, and you know what? And I took an oath to both foreign and domestic, and that guy is domestically bugging me. That guy is domestically affecting my future. That's, like, that's how the oath gets translated. <laughs> that's that is how I. Not I think. the Constitution. It's like he's kind of bugging me. It, it's that Ollie North. I think has a has a very flexible view of S- scary guy. Yeah, he, I don't know anything about him except for the the papers from Nicaragua. And he always manages to get he manages to get on TV, uh, like on well, I guess on Fox News, but right they. Interview him like he's just a credible person from history. Yeah, <laughs> from, he, he's a, no, he's he a notorious overthrower of governments, trafficker yes. in arms and drugs. Yes, did you black uh, ops mastermind? Mastermind. And here, and, he, here he is to tell us about the world. Right. Listen to this tool bag opine mm-hmm. on uh, on what we should be doing. Yeah, it is weird to me. Yeah, because I because so Wellstone dies. And, yeah, right. And Ventura uh, is in charge of appointing. His replacement. And he appointed uh, a, a non-partisan. Man. Yeah, he, he he appointed a, a garbage man uh, because mm-hmm. a guy who worked for the sanitation department. He was like, I'm just appointing somebody because uh, the way the DFL, the Department of uh, um, Democratic Farm Labor, which is the Democratic Party of, of Minnesota. Right, and that dates back – Minnesota's always had a very colorful political history as a state. It's kind of like Louisiana in that way. Where, really? Yeah. Minnesota is a very, like, they have the DFL because they had a rich, uh, 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 populist, uh, movement in the early 1900s and stuff. Oh, wow. And, that has been. And uh, late 1800s. And, uh, so th- there were these third parties that were successful and then they just merged back into the Democratic Party. Right. right. <laughs> that makes, that makes, cause it's, I mean, it's gone. I mean, it's like Wisconsin, where where things go super right wing and super left wing. Yeah, and that's interesting about the Upper Great Lakes uh, part of the Midwest. It's like it's very divided there. It's divided because it half of it feels like common sense to help people, right. and half of it feels like, well, why don't they fucking get off their ass and work for a living? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's these very diametrically opposed, mm-hmm. you know, salt of the earth. People who right. are like, I'm working really hard. That guy doesn't look like he's working hard. And poor people don't look poor enough. You don't, you have a cell phone? Why do you have a cell phone? It's like, cause uh, they're a nickel. That's why everyone has a yeah, cell phone. Yeah, right. Because you don't have, they, you because they don't involve eating. Right, right. You, any number of people are willing to give you a cell phone. No one is willing to give you a sandwich. You have to actually ask. <laughs> and so it's completely in, and so, but I, I, 
you know, I understand, I don't condone it. I am, you know what, am I sympathetic or supportive? I don't believe in it. In this case, I think I'm sympathetic, but not supportive of the, of sort of the right wing at like where it comes from. You know, I mean, I, oh, the, the pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Yeah. Yeah. Those people. Well, Look, I mean, there's isolated cases where that's good advice for a person. Sure. Uh, but Mostly think, if they have boots. But I don't think it's a good way to solve. <laughs> I don't think it's a good way to solve, like, larger social ills. No, no. Part of the social contract is if you're doing well, you share. Remember that from preschool? Right. We all have to share. They brought a bunch of people into the world on the assumption that things would be better, and then we're all here now, and it's gotten much worse. <laughs> So right. <laughs> we, we, we were sold a bill of goods or our parents and grandparents were. Right, right. There's a, we are being taken on a buggy ride by jackasses. <laughs> I love, and I love our populist, uh, Huey Long political. Talk. Let's do it. Take it on a buggy ride. That's it. I'm willing to Will Smith this, not Will Smith. <laughs> I'm pro- probably going to Will Rogers it. I could Will Smith it. Let's, uh, <laughs> Independence Day. Come on. Um, yeah. So anyway, so Wellstone dies, but the reason he po- appointed the garbage man is because the DFL who went, he came to the funeral. He was and upset. The, and the DFL booed him. Like the, like the, the liberals who came to it, they booed the Republicans and they booed him. And he was like, you were at Paul Wellstone's funeral. You don't boo people at a funeral. Right. And so I'm going to respond with an equally mature, uh, by appointing not anybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna appoint this guy who wants to go to CDC. He's gonna check out the Smithsonian for three months. It's gonna be nice. <laughs> He's gonna make three times what he usually makes. And then uh let's see. Oh, that's right, because it was just a lame duck thing, and I guess that's when Norm Coleman came in. Right, right. And he very conservative gentleman. Um, I, that, I, I wonder if Wellstone would have won. I imagine it would have been very close. It would have been close because he had claimed that he wasn't going to run again when he first got elected. Oh yeah, that, w- w- he had been, he had been he had been reelected once. So it was like he said he'd serve two terms, but and not that a third. Was it not a third? And I know that a lot of um, people I know in Minneapolis were like, "Oh my God, that's not okay. You can't run again when you said you weren't." And I was like, "Minneapolis uh-huh. is the only place where people would be that honest <laughs> to actually care about that and, and call him on it." And Jesse didn't run for the second term. He, he made that pledge and stuck, and, to, and four stuck years. to it. Well, I think he had things to do. <laughs> Wellstone was, was a like, great senator. By he the way. really was. He was a hero, and um, uh, he was was he was the only senator to vote against. Uh, with the Patriot Act or the Iraq War, or both, or I know he was the only Democrat up for re-election, up that for election voted. that voted against the Iraq War. Yeah, yeah, I think he was he was alone in that. I remember that distinctly. Yeah, the rest of them were cowards. Just complete, just like we. Yeah, sure, we'll go, and then none, and then nobody ever because th- you know prior it had just been Granada, and it had just been these sort of short military things where yeah. we go in and we blow things up and we leave. Right, and. So to get bogged Which down. Which are damaging enough in their own way. Well, they're horrible to the locals. Right. And, and of course to the 37,000 people who had to do the, the horrible things. And what I'm realizing as I get older is it's damaging to the, uh, legitimacy of the rule of law over the long term. Oh, com- the more you break it, the more everyone realizes, oh, this is just a game you're playing. Yeah. This isn't, this is no longer the, the, I mean, the constitution is as close as I come to having like a religion. Right. And, to to just starts, throw it away. It starts to feel more and more like an ancient Greek god system <laughs> that's not even. In I'm also anymore. a huge fan of Athens, but nobody, you know, the democracy <laughs> no. of Athens. I was hoping that we were going to be better than that in the moment, and there was a brief shining moment. We had probably about, and there was probably secrets going on too, like right after. 
And during World War II, anybody who, who protested World War II got thrown away. And yeah, you didn't hear much about them. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> there's books, I'm told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're not popular books, and they aren't really <laughs> being taught. There wasn't and, a lot of outrage back yeah, then. Yeah, uh, there were a couple of peaceniks who were like, no, no, let them deal with them themselves. And you're like... Okay, I am actually against genocide, so I have to. Right. And because I, I don't have. I remember when I, when, uh, when Iraq happened, I believe I had supported the invasion into Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and I could go all revisionist history and claim that I did not, uh, in a Kissinger-like moment. But uh, uh, I can also. Open I would the- love. I would yeah. love to have the Kissinger <laughs> moments on your podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome. We to have history. always uh, attempted to uh, facilitate elections uh, democratically. We did not go into Laos. And we never. Mm, I don't even like Cambodian food. That's <laughs> what I assume he would say. It's um, funny that we talk about the. Uh, so many people, not just you and me, but like a lot of people more and more I notice keep talking about the American. Uh, uh, System of uh, the rule of law and stuff as past tense. Oh right, right, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I got to turn down my mail alert on my computer. Is that an email alert or yeah. the postman came? The postal worker. So I was wondering if maybe that was a, a physical mail, like a snail mail alert that you have plugged into your mailbox. Right. She likes to press a button. <laughs> How ridiculous would that be? That'd be hilarious. Well, you know, um, sometimes I think you know my father was always when when I was a kid he would say things like. Uh, one, one of my favorite stories is when I was in third grade and he was like, what are you learning in third grade? And, uh, <laughs> and I said, well, we're studying the it end sounds of Sounds like an Ar- Armenian father. Yeah. C- c- class. He's just like, well, cause I, the real story is he didn't know why we were the only two in the house. Mm. I was eight. Uh, he was easily 40. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> so, and he thought he'd try some parenting is what I assume. And I'm not saying he didn't have his keys in his hand. I'm just saying he goes, so what are you, eight? He genuinely said to me, what are you, eight? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And you're a smart kid at eight, mm. so that must be a music to you. <laughs> right. Well, I was just like, yeah. And he goes, well, what are you learning in, what is that, third grade? What are you learning in third grade? And I said, we're studying the end of the Phoenician and Mesopotamian empires. I distinctly remember that. And he goes, yeah, empires fall. What's that tell you? And I said, that empires fall? And he goes, no, no. What's that tell you about America? And yeah. I said, that one day America's going to fall? And he goes, yeah. And it was the first time he was ever proud of me. Everyone should understand <laughs> that. Like the way you that way you come to terms with the fact that every person is going to die. There's no such thing as a political system that will ever last forever. <laughs> Everlasting. You keep renewing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can keep making it better. Hopefully you can, you can make it better. And, and, you know, 380 million people need to be governed differently than 27 million people, you know? That's very true. So. That's very true. Yeah, a hundred years ago. It's a huge, I guess the major superpowers we have today between America and China and Europe and Russia Mm -hmm. and India. Right. Probably Brazil too. Like that's like, those are huge populations under the control of one particular government in each case. It may be unprecedented in history. It's gotta be unprecedented. I mean, you think about if seven billion people on the planet and the earth, of course, continues to dry. My big conspiracy I didn't know that theory. I was on stage. <laughs> Can I yeah. tell you this? I was on stage a couple of nights ago. I think maybe Sunday. And I was riffing something and I re- I said something about like all, t- <laughs> I said something about like all 10 million people or <laughs> and the I realized that I just didn't know how many people there were. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I think we're just pushing seven billion. Right. And uh, <laughs> no, uh, did you hear the mistake? I'm constantly. It's a nice drinking game uh, for uh, for Rangers of the Dork Forest when Jackie doesn't know. You know, like instead of saying uh, le- a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the WPA. The woman in charge of the theater department of the WPA's name is Hallie Franklin. And I called her Hallie Berry. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I call her Hallie Berry? And uh, that's a woman named Hallie. Is it the Works Project Administration? Yeah, the Works Project Administration had a – remember Cradle Will Rock, Tim yes. Robbins? Yes. So it was – I ha- saw the movie. It was great. Yeah, it was a great movie. And then – and so she was talking about uh, – she had read the biography of that woman, Hallie Franklin. Oh, I see. And so that was her dorkdom. What are you reading? Uh, right now I am reading uh, a George Orwell book that I was looking for for a long time and I finally found it in Indiana. I was at Bloomington, wonderful right. college town. They have a lot of great books. Comedy attic, good times. Great place. Great comedy club. I found Homage to Catalonia, which I've been looking for for a couple of years. Um, it's, it's fiction? No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a memoir. It's nonfiction. Oh, it's a memoir. He, it's a, it's a, George Orwell remembering uh, fighting in the Spanish Civil War, and he wrote it right after he came back. Oh, my God. Um, so he's writ- written in the late 30s. Uh, he went down to be a journey. He was my, he's the age that I am now, hmm. uh, maybe a year older than I am now. Okay. But he went down to uh, Spain because the Civil War had broken out uh, because it was an attempted coup d'etat by Franco. Right, right. Um, which would you know, would be the model later followed by the rest of Latin America uh, right. later in the century. But uh, Franco attempted a coup and it was partly successful and it was partly failed. So there was a stalemate that then became a civil war. Okay. And uh, so on one side, it's the fascists backed by Germany and Italy. And then on the other side, it's a coalition of government loyalists to the original government. And anarchists, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is back when anarchists could actually field like Franco armies. was a fascist, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, and then com- so it's communists, anarchists, and government loyalists against the fascists. Oh wow! And uh, and Orwell went to fight for he, or- Orwell went to be a journalist. He was sympathetic with okay. with the he 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 was an anti-fascist. He right. hated uh, Franco and Mussolini and Hitler, but he was going to go covered as a journalist. And then he got there to Barcelona in mm-hmm. uh, Catalonia. Right. Which has their own language, and that's where the anarchists were strongest. Okay. And he gets there, and he realizes, like, I should, I might as well just sign up and fight, because he just liked, <laughs> he, he was so inspired being there. Right, right. But he's not really a cheerleader. And you see, like, I've read his other books, like, I've read some of his, I've read a lot of his essays, and I've read 1984 and Animal right. Farm. And like, Yeah, I've only read those two, Animal Farm and But he's not really a cheerleader. He's kind of got this sar- sardonic, very honest, and but kind of reserved, um... Like a journalist's eye for what's yeah. happening. So he's very critical of the people he's, that are his allies. Okay. And he sort of, I, I'm halfway into it and he sort of gets into how the good guys splintered and fell apart and the bad guys stay, stayed united. Right. So that, that, uh, that the communists all. backed by the Soviet Union sort of betrayed the anarchists and the, and the, and the non-Soviet communist forces oh, okay. fighting because uh, they didn't want to have a revolution there at the time. Wow. And that's, that's his conclusion, at least. And okay. So it was kind of this internecine feud. And it was what made – because he came down there sympathizing with the communists. Yeah. And he left there hating Stalin because right. he blamed Stalin for ruining the war and turning it over to Franco. And I guess by the time he's writing the book, 
the war hasn't been totally lost, but it's about to be. Okay. So he's writing it going like, I hope we can pull it off, but it doesn't look like we will. The revolution in Spain was mid thirties, wasn't it? 35? It was 36 was when they pulled the coup, I believe. Okay. Uh, and Franco was the air force. I, I could be wrong, but I believe he was air force and I believe he was in the, in the colonies like the Azores or, uh, uh, what do you call it? The Canary Islands or right. something. And that then where the military was stronger yeah. and that they then, they like came back to Spain and took over half the country. Okay. And then it was sort of in intense fighting, but it was the way Orwell describes it is almost funny. It's there. It's, it's bitterly ironic and funny about okay. how incompetent the war was on both sides, <laughs> how nobody really had anything. Right. And they weren't, they weren't really shooting at each other much, so much as freezing to death. Yeah, you know, that makes so much sense to me because whenever I meet like these soldiers, you know, when I I went over to Iraq and, and I went to Africa and you meet these kids that are in the army mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm in my middle 40s, so they're kids to me, right? Mm-hmm. It's a 19-year-old guy mm-hmm. that that doesn't look – he's a man and he has a gun that he can point at somebody and shoot them, but that's it. He is not necessarily the brightest bulb on the tree. Right. And you're, yeah, you're at the, probably the physical peak of your, uh, life at that age, but right. mentally nowhere near. No, I read this decades away from decades from your away peak. from, from what you think when, when you might have your shit together. Mm-hmm. And I read this book. It was, it was about embedded. It was about an embedded by an embedded journalist in the first blitzkrieg into Baghdad in 2003. And what the hell was it called? Well, fantastic. It's a great book, you guys. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's a, he's in, he's with these, uh, recon Marines. So there's a journalist and six Marines in this Humvee mm-hmm. and they are blazing. And recon Marines always travel in sixes, packs of sixes, but they're not supposed to be in one car. They're supposed they to be two or three. No, they're, they're not supposed to be driving at all. They're supposed to parachute ahead of the troops. Oh yeah. And then work back toward the main group of army dudes. Right. right? And then share so, what, share what they've gleaned from. Right, right. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. And so instead the, the general in charge of this part of the Marines sent a fleet of these guys, just like hundreds of these Humvees. <laughs> On the driving street, the just driving into the desert, driving into Baghdad, six guys to a truck, and um one guy just out the blowhole, right, with a you know, like a shooting thing. A machine gun That's on a turret. It. Yeah. That's it. Machine gun on a turret. <laughs> and the guy who was a machine gun on a turret guy, so the, the sergeant's driving and the corporal's um navigating, I guess, and then the kid on the machine gun keeps saying things like, Hey, this is before they've seen any any battle, a kid keeps go- saying, hey, I'm going to shoot. Look at that camel. I'm going to shoot that camel. And the corporal goes, uh, no, we're not here to fucking shoot camels. Stop. You're not going to shoot that camel. And then they drive along. And uh, and then they have their first firefight. And that kid at the end of it is like, it was like Vice City, man. There were people hiding in the in the in the little turrets of the doorways, and I was like, bam, 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 and I get him, and I'd be bam, 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 and I get him. And then he's telling this story, and then all of a sudden he interrupts his own story to say, "Hey, there's a dog over there. I'm gonna shoot that dog." And wow. yeah, and the corporal has to say, "We didn't come to Iraq to shoot dogs. You're not fucking shooting the dog." Oh my god. So it, I mean, yeah, I mean that makes sense. What's it? What's the? I have to say, you know what. The, the younger, the younger, if I look back at my life, just from my point of view, the younger right. I am, the, the more horrific my, uh, moral core is. <laughs> right. 
Right. Or at least my decision-making abilities about which impulses right. to follow through on. Right. You're like, I remember I put a, a beer can on a cop car once. The cop's <laughs> standing next to the car. Wow. And I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck you, pig. And I didn't say any of that, but I did. I walked by and I put the beer can and he goes, pick up the beer can. And that's all he said, and I picked it up and then I threw it away. That's amusing. That's amusing when uh, when there's a cop who's not being an asshole uh, right. to the point where they're going to beat you up, or right. it's just like, pick up your trash. <laughs> don't don't try. Don't be a hero. <laughs> Why you got to be <laughs> completely? So that have you? So you've read a lot of Orwell? Um, no, Fair I've read a, I've read uh, two books of his essays, and okay. I'm I read uh, 1984, Animal Farm. I feel like maybe one other thing. And the essays, essays are, are all nonfiction. Yeah, they're fascinating. Uh, there's a book of essays. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, you know, it's it's one of the big ones where um, within it is politics in the English language, which is one of my favorite essays. Okay. You know it? No, no, it sounds fascinating. It's, it is fascinating. He talks about. Uh, he talks about how you're being lied to when someone uses words that you can't understand. Right. And you, uh, for example, like if, 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 if a, someone from a central bank has to give a speech to tell you what's going on, but yeah. he wants most people not to understand it, but just some, a very small number of people, yeah. they use code words and dog whistles. <laughs> and, um, and they say something's happening that's, uh, that's not really the right word to use to describe what's happening. And it's, it's a precursor to all the kind of terms we have, like quantitative easing now. The, the, I don't even know what that means. You see the newspapers. Quantitative easing is like what the Ben Bernanke is doing with the Federal Reserve. Okay. It it literally means, I guess, quantitative easing. That means relaxing the numerical standards, relaxing the quantity of something. What okay. it is is printing money. Oh, it's Jesus. inflation. It's printing money, but they call it quantitative easing so that no one will understand that they should be outraged by it. Right, because we've just uh, learned how to parse the word inflation, and we know that it's yeah. bad. Yeah. So you don't want to use that word anymore. It's like it's like it's shell shock to PTSD and we're all not this allowed stuff. To, we're not allowed to say mercenaries. We have to say contractors. We can't say torture. We have to say enhanced oh. interrogation techniques. Yeah. And so that's where, that's one of the, the, I guess where we get the idea of Orwellian language. And he touches on that in 1984, the novel. Too, yeah, yeah. Where that's the Ministry of... of Propaganda is called Mini True, the Ministry of Truth. <laughs> and all their job is, is to lie and, and make inconvenient facts go. Man, away. did you ever that's read? That's really the world we live in, in that a lot of ways. We, it completely is. And I wonder if it's, but there's part of me that wonders if that's always been the world that we've lived in to a, di- a lesser degree. Yeah, because uh, our problems are heightening now. Oh, because of television? Just Interesting. Because it's easier to lie to more people? Yeah, I think, yes. Television has been a fantastic propaganda tool. Uh, back in the old days, you had to, you like, just you had to spread to it by out. word of mouth. You had to get a bunch of good loud mouths to spread your word on the right? soapboxes around the country. Exactly. That's awesome. So people should know you do a lot of impressions. You do, it's, uh, I, 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 one of my favorite impressions of yours is when you do the old timey prospector. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Turn back, folks. <laughs> You're here. Well, it, I do it like it's the animatronic, uh, uh, at Six Flags. The guy who's like, on the you're on a roller coaster and he's like, turn back, folks. You're heading the wrong way. <laughs> the track's out ahead. <laughs> and what's the name of your album? Low Hanging Fruit. That's it. That's it. People can get that on Amazon and Pandora it up. And, uh, and your Earwolf, uh, if you're so inclined. Earwolf is the what? What do they release it? Yeah. Oh, nice. And um, 
By the way, nice glasses. I realize we have very similar glasses. Oh, these are uh, from Society of the Spectacle. Uh, last month's, uh, they, they sponsored the Dork Forest. Oh that. my God. They're ex- almost exactly the same. <laughs> they have the same color scheme, really, or right. very similar. They're, they're dark on the outside and then a, then and a then light, light blue. baby blue. Light baby blue. I like to see the world in baby blue tones too. So <laughs> that's why I have uh, them on the inside of my glasses. I was talked into these by the Society of the Spectacle ladies. Society of the Spectacle. Which is a 1967, uh, pro-communist tome, uh, an article written by uh, a French communist named Guy Debord. And, yes. And they named their glasses store in Highland Park after it. I have uh, I was assigned that in college to read, and I didn't finish it, but I read part of it. Okay. Where'd you go to college? Whittier College. And did you Whittier, graduate? California. I did not. Oh. Little, little stunts like that have prevented me from graduating. <laughs> Wait, I don't think I meant to ask you if you graduated. What I meant to ask, I think, is... Uh, what you were studying, yeah. Were you um, studying poli-sci? No, no well, I, I, I took like three poli-sci classes and I, did, I, I didn't like it. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, and I felt the same way about economics. I Like, uh, more so economics. I studied, I actually ended up taking so many economics classes, I felt folded it into a major. I yeah. did a self-designed major in theater and economics and okay. philosophy. Wow. But the problem with Economics, I felt, is that the way it's taught in colleges is, uh, um, they teach Milton Friedman. Yeah. Well, they teach, there's a, there's a orthodox trajectory of economics that culminates in the free market. Um, and capitalism. And capitalism. And they teach the other stuff, uh, as like a side circus, like a sideshow in the circus. <laughs> like, uh, that's, that's heterodox economics. Yeah, it's a bunch of weirdos. It's yeah. just a hee high And it's not a science. It's a, it's a fake science. It's right. a, it's a art or a social science or something. It's but the they treat it like it's and physics and there's like physics laws to right, economics. You rattle the bones and you hope and you look at the moon. <laughs> and my brother's an econ professor at the University of Wisconsin. Um, oh, and cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's Does not, he, is he macro or micro or do you know? Uh, God knows. Okay. Uh, he is, uh, University of Wisconsin Whitewater and he, he's written several, his main point of being an econ professor, as far as I can tell, is to employ as many undergrad students as possible. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's of, com- that's of sorts a full employment policy. That's, uh, he's heavily common- debated in economic circles. I'm a job creator and I was like, that mm-hmm. aren't, those aren't real words. Uh, <laughs> you are a guy that is trying to put forth your own agenda and you need worker bees. And, uh, because you have created jobs in that doesn't make you a job creator. That makes you an ambitious guy who wants to make money. And so, I mean, and it, the jobs are created. I'm not saying that they aren't, but that's not a real word. Yeah, job creator seems like it's a euphemism that sprung up in the last 10 or 12 years that is meant – it's usually dads and dad-type people going like, <laughs> hey, I may be selfish, but my selfishness is good for you. Right, right. And uh, you walk it off. I create jobs and then I get rid of them and I create them again over and over. <laughs> over and over. I am, Man. I'm, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I'm not trying to rag your brother, just the, the term. Oh, no. What's the, uh, uh, the, uh, Shiva? I'm Shiva, the creator of jobs, the destroyer <laughs> of them as well. <laughs> oh, right, because Shiva created and destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The oh, creation yeah. is the destruction. Uh huh. Uh, so you studied econ and and philosophy and theater. Yeah, and and uh, I, I, at a certain they have point, more in common than you would imagine. Well, yeah, the, the, uh, it's kind of weird. I ended up for my final project. I did do the final project, which I'm very proud of. I did a I did a comedic play about the uh, 
I did a comedic play about uh, the Pinochet uh, era in yeah, Chile uh, yeah. when they brought in Milton Friedman from the Chicago School of Economics to to uh, overhaul Chile in a they in, didn't in a free market really. capitalist way. Did they yeah. bring Milton Friedman in? Yes, uh, or his people. Well, uh, okay, so so that's real. Yeah. Okay. And so I wrote a fictionalized version of it where I <laughs> I made it take place in a, a fairyland of elves. <laughs> But I had a I had a fascist coup in a fairyland of elves, and then I had the uh, the uh, the free market experiment come come down as the second phase. Wow! Which is uh, forget my play. The whole but the whole <laughs> the whole Pinochet Milton Friedman thing is yeah. fascinating and dark, and like in how Nixon and Kissinger were deeply involved in the coup yeah. itself. And then we sent down this free market guy to, to in, in, in a, in a dictatorship, in a fascist yeah. dictatorship to, to then enact so-called free market reforms. Right, right. Because a fascist dictatorship was the perfect place to try out these so-called free, free market, market reforms. Which shows you exactly how free the free market is, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's at the barrel of a gun. Yeah. Oh, crying out loud, man. You know, I signed my, um, I never know what, when I signed my CDs. I always say as I, I always sign with a fake name. Oh, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I always say thanks for not being Hitler. Oh, thanks really? for not being Stalin. Thanks for not being Pinochet. And I just I go down through the litany of, of awesome. dictators because it's every day you wake up and you're not an asshole uh, is a win because you could be you could be a tiny Pinochet. There are lots of and I want to particularly thank the smart people. Smart people could smart people like a lot of smart people could be monsters. Yeah. Because they're smart enough to know how. So there's a lot of people I know who are like smart enough that you you could manipulate people, but they choose not to because they find it sad and depressing. Exactly. That's more work than it's worth. Yeah. And so that sounds like I don't want to ruin people's lives for for just yeah, for the so, pleasure of that. So good on you. Good yeah, on you. Yeah. Good on it's, you. It's better to be a neutral Jedi than a even a, a bad Jedi. <laughs> right. I am neutral. Good. That's true. Or I I don't want to be chaotic. Good. That seems uh that seems uh, terrifying. Do you ever play any Dungeons and Dragons? Uh. <laughs> No, but I'm fascinated by those terms like that because I I love the idea of chaotic good. <laughs> right, because there's lawful good, there's uh, neutral like good, and chaotic good. I think I'm chaotic good. Chaotic, <laughs> you might be chaotic good. <laughs> and then there's uh, there's lawful evil. There's a chaotic right, evil. Right, lawful evil. That's like someone elected. Right, that's Dick Cheney. That's uh, I mean by by name. Oh yeah, Taylor Williamson on on uh, um he was. He came in second place, or I don't know what he did. Um, America loves talent, or oh, America. I didn't know that. I know Taylor. That's great. yeah, yeah. He won like first or second, and he got interviewed by James Lipton, <sighs> and uh, and they said, "What's your favorite curse word?" And he said, "Do you think you want me to swear on national television?" And James Lipton says, "Yeah," and he goes, "Dick Cheney." Oh, yeah. He that's said, a good one. It was great because he said, "No, I don't need your votes anymore." <laughs> is oh. what he, it was the greatest. It was my oh, favorite that's line. Great, bravo, yeah. Taylor. Good well job. Well done, Taylor Williamson. What and, network was that on? Uh, I don't know. It was on the internet I network. Watch her, yeah. It was on the. <laughs> I watched the internet channel. <laughs> the internet channel is great. It's really nice. And uh, so, what else are you reading? What else? What else have you read that you would suggest people read? Um. Oh. Okay. So I had a mind blowing time reading Promethea, the Alan Moore comic book. Uh, oh yeah. You know it. Yeah. Um. I read it in Australia. Okay. Uh, I had been meaning. I don't remember if I got it in Australia or if I got it in the U.S. But either way, I picked up supplemental volumes when I was in Australia. Right, right. And because uh, I was severely jet lagged and I never got over it, and I ended right. up getting sick. So I was just I was laying around reading and trying to sleep, and then just doing uh, you know shows every night. Right. But, were you um, were you doing the Sydney run or the Melbourne? Melbourne for the, the festival. Festival. Um, we have, we get Rangers of the Dork Forest in Australia. 
Awesome. So, hello and welcome. Hello. And uh, I hope you're preparing for the winter. Yeah. Or no, the summer. God it's going to be the summer now. Got it wrong. Yep. I thought I was being so smart. I know it. They but, they know better than that though. They know better. Um, Promethea is awesome. I, I've been a big fan. Is it of Prometheus or is it Promethea? Promethea. With an A. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like a it's like a female uh, superhero that dates back. That's it's a very interesting concept. It's a it's a it's a superhero hero it's a superhero that's mm-hmm. almost always female and uh it's passed on f- through fiction it's passed on through myth okay and it's it, it starts in ancient egypt and it um in the promethea myth is uh deeply wound in with the fate of humanity okay and it's it's passed on by myth where there will be many years, even decades, centuries where there's no Promethea. Okay. It's not like, you know, like how the, you know. It's it's not handed like, like it's baton. not a baton. Yeah. But someone will literally read about Promethea and then become Promethea. Oh, cool. And this is the comic book. And yeah. Alan Moore plays with that the whole time where it's like you're reading that you're reading this about the thing where if you read the thing, then you become right, the right. thing. Yeah. And it's it's uh, the five graphic novels, I guess. And I was riveted from the start. And it yeah. just it, it was mind blowing. It was it's it really what it is is Alan Moore. Uh, and he, yeah, I don't know if you know, like I, I'm really fascinated by his his cosmology and his worldview. I don't. He believes in magic and and uh, the occult and deities, but only as a kind of fiction, as a game. He doesn't. Okay. He believes in a you know evolution and this yeah. is bullshit. But he's also like, well, but I'm saying it, and so it's by sleight of hand that makes it true. Okay. And I really find that fascinating. That is fascinating. Um, about how. Does he feel like it, it exists somewhere, but it doesn't exist here? Yes. Okay. On our level of existence, it's all fake. But right. in these higher planes, they are fictional, but they're there because the, we experience them. Oh, interesting. And um, so it's basically him sharing everything he knows about uh, these magical mysteries, these ancient uh, deities. I learned a lot about ancient religions and stuff just from reading the comic book. Yeah. And um, like it's the Kabbalah. Yep. And, um, it, it was the Kabbalah, uh, Talmud, like sort of Talmud light. What yes, is that? Sprung out of that. Like okay. Understanding of like this tree, the tree of life that has these different, um, okay. He, he represents it. It's like these different stations on his tree of life. He represents it as the journey that she goes through. And it's okay. almost like a, it's a train station map that takes like, he does it like the London subway map. Okay. So oh, that's nice. her, that's her journey through the magical spheres. That's how I learned about a lot of, uh, Nordic, uh, <laughs> It's like Thor. I read Thor. Uh-huh. I read some Thor. I read some, uh, some Valhalla some and all that. Yeah, Valhalla and Odin and, you know, sure it's, it's, but the, the theory behind the actual comic book Thor is that, that, um, not mid, we're Midgard, so they are whatever the name of they are. And, uh, wherever Thor is from is actually a planet. And, um, so all of the deities from, Thor's world, where like the the Rainbow Bridge comes from Earth Midgard to uh, his planet, Somethingheim. God damn! Oh, it. Uh, is it Arnhut? No, mm. is it? I know this. Uh, Trondheim. I, no, that's a real city in <laughs> Norway. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Norway. They actually live in Norway. And uh, yeah, but th- so so when like when the Thor movie came out and there was some there was a h- bunch of hoopla about how the the bridge keeper was black. The actor was played by a black man, and they're like, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been, because it's Nordic, and there were no black people yeah, ever. Yeah, but the problem is, we that's it's you a, need to have, we got to have 
Everybody. Yeah, we gotta, we're not Nordic. We're not Nordic. <laughs> we're doing an American ripoff <laughs> interpretation. We, a comic book based on two lines from their mythology yeah. from 7,000 years ago. Are you ago. doing it in Norse? Is there a big market for, <laughs> they, okay, alright, fine. If you wanna do it in Norse. Right. Me, yeah, sure, I'll get behind you. They're but all aliens I anyway. I feel like you wanna make money on this. Right. So, right. do it in English and hire a bunch of people. Exactly. Different let's have let let's have let's have everybody have a role model. It'll be fine. <laughs> he was he didn't eat human flesh. It would be impossible. It's not realistic. <laughs> right, right. Why aren't they raping? And, uh, <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, it's it's so it's it's so interesting to me. So, do you, do you read a lot of graphic novels, or are you just did you just um, get sucked into that one? I got sucked into it largely uh, because I, you know what it was when the Watchmen movie came out. I liked yeah. the preview so much, and I don't think I had some. Everyone in my life had failed me. Had failed to tell me about Watchmen. Okay, I'd seen the V for Vendetta movie and I loved it. Right, and I knew that there was a comic book. Right, and but then I saw the preview for Watchmen and I was like, you know what? I need to read this before because I think I just heard that there was this like this great comic book called right. Watchmen, and I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna read this before the movie comes out, and I did. And then I was like, oh fuck, I gotta find, and then I read V for Vendetta, and right? I read, um, I He's I, amazing. I mean, Alan Moore's great. <clears throat> so I, I guess I read once a year, maybe every other, maybe I'll skip a year, but in general I read Alan Moore maybe once a year. Okay, yeah, I yeah. I got into Grant Morrison a little bit. Grant Morrison's great. Terry Moore. Um, you can go with other Moores. Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. Did you read Sandman? Did you Not try that yet. That's, that's my next big it's one. It's huge. It's that's, too big. I understand. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is, it is amazing. If you start with the second book, it might be easier because mm-hmm. he's got a new artist. Okay. And uh, it's all him controlled. Like the first arc, the first story arc of Sandman, it's super bogged down. But because he's essentially, the Sandman is a... Uh, he has been captured. So who cares? I won't, yeah, I won't yeah, start, yeah. I'll, I'll so, start with volume two. So when he escapes, it's volume two. I love it. I actually, one of the best, uh. And then you'll have it to go back to when you have finished it and you're like, oh my god, it's over, you that mean sucks. Like the Silmarillion? Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> you're like, I, I gotta just, read. I need something else. What else is there? I'm gonna read that crazy From super this sad. universe. Children of Turin. Super sad. Never finished it. Um, um, I, uh, was it? Oh yeah. You know what? Some of the best advice someone ever gave me about reading mm. is don't read the introduction that somebody else wrote about the thing. Just start oh. reading where the author started writing. That's an excellent idea. Um, unless it's somebody that's really, really a bad writer. Like, well, in, <laughs> in that case, you might need the help. Right. Uh, what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to read, cause I read such crap sometimes mm-hmm. that I've been trying to read, uh, get back and read the classics. So, mm. Some classics suck though. Yeah. And, then, and I don't, I don't beat myself up about it. Like. I had to, I've had to step away. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen, Wuthering Heights. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have any investment in an ancient class system. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I'm never going to. What, 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 uh, what are the great classics? Like, did you ever finish Moby Dick? No, I want to though, because, uh, do you know Danforth France? Yeah. Yeah. Danforth, uh, he told me that he read it and it was really good. Then he enjoyed it much more as, uh, as an adult. As an adult. And so I'm smarter than I was when I totally tried to. My so. brother Phil, it's one of his favorite books. And Sarah Vowell, who I am a giant fan of, mm-hmm. um, it's her favorite book. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but it's that fucking whale. Just get over it, man. You know, he took your leg. You got a prosthetic. And my brother, I told him my, my brother Phil that and he goes, 
I don't know that I'd call a piece of pine strapped to a stump as a prosthetic, Jackie. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know, it's kind of a, it's a prosthetic he, leg. He's clearly, by his answer, he's clearly <laughs> deeply invested. He's like, no, I'm just as mad at that whale. And we're going to find it. <laughs> and uh, it was, yeah, I do, because uh, there, there are great books that, you know, and I, I haven't read enough Dickens. I kind of read more, I want to read more Dickens. Yeah, what if I, well, I guess I read the... Uh, Just a Christmas Carol over Christmas here. Carol and the Tale of Two Cities. I started that? Started that? I think I finished it, actually. Oh, good But for you. I found it unrewarding. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a lesson that taught me not to read books for a oh, while. Right. I mean, sometimes you just have, you, I, I tried to finish Don Quixote, and Don Quixote is great. It's the first, supposedly the first novel. I would like to read, I really would like to read that in Spanish, but I know that's really hard. That's kind of like, that reading Don Quixote, I think, is like a yeah. graduate school level of, uh, of mastery of, of, of medieval, medieval Spanish or something. Right, and they would want you to do it. And, and I did, in, in French class in college, I read a lot of, um, we didn't read a lot of it, but we read some Balzac and we read some Rabelais and we read them in French and there's something, because they're dirty. <laughs> yes, I understand that. Uh, um, that, uh, that a lot of the, uh, uh, yeah, Robles is Rabelais the one who says Gargant- get drunk, get drunk now. Is that the, am I right? Uh, he's, con- I, I'm sure because uh, it's Gargantua and Pantagruel is yeah, the famous one. Okay, and they're constantly drunk. And there's puns and stuff that you don't get. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm too stupid, but like. <laughs> Oh no! I do love. Uh, I love funny. My favorite. My favorite things I ever find are funny, like funny books yeah. or, or plays. I, right. I read plays a lot. Oh, do you read plays? Um, do you write plays? I wrote one in college. Wrote one that in, one college in college about, yeah. <laughs> about elves, Pinochet. <laughs> elves versus Pinochet. Milton, Milton Friedman. The capitalist invasion of fairyland. Hamilton Free Market was my fictional name. <laughs> oh for my god! Milton Friedman. And I wrote, and I wrote in, it was like a, it was like a music man entrance, like the huckster with a straw hat. <laughs> After the coup, the two coup takes place in the opening scene. Oh, and then, and then dust settles. That's it. And then they bring in the American economist. And right. That, and that was my character. Oh, that's, please put that up. Is I, there... You know what? The performance script is lost, but the script I turned in for the, the okay. paper is still there. So I wonder if I could, I could probably reimagine it. Yeah. Um, Oh, the performance script is lost. <laughs> lost to the edges. Adomian masterpiece. <laughs> I, but I've always loved funny, uh, books and plays. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Confederacy of Dunces. Um, right. I laughed out loud reading that. Uh, I read, uh, you ever read Jasper Ford? No. You would like that guy. Yeah. Cause, um, he is, he's Welsh, so he gets to keep the extra F. For Ford. For Ford. And, uh, he wrote the Jane Eyre affair. And, um, <laughs> he wrote, uh, it's, uh, yeah, you'll like it because it's punny, yeah. super smart, and dumb as rocks, but hilariously smart. I at don't the same mind time. it being dumb. I remember I read, when I was, when I was like in junior high school, I read James Thurber, uh, like a collection of stuff, and he did his, he did a dumb version of, of, he did his interpretation of Romeo and Juliet, and it was yeah. very funny. Oh, good. Um, oh, good. Uh, what do I like? Uh, Charles Portis. I'm a huge ch- fan of Charles Portis. Do you know him? No, I don't. P-O-R-T-I-S? P-O-R-T-I-S. Uh, he's only written like five novels or maybe six. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, but he's kind of a recluse, and they're all hilarious. He okay. wrote um, – his most famous one is True Grit. Um, the, ba- the movie, that which the became movie the movie. The movie was based on. Okay. Um, 
but I don't even think that's I, that's well I haven't I haven't that's the one I haven't finished reading okay because uh, I saw the movie I kind of I didn't want to I'm not ready right. yet to read it but uh but Masters of Atlantis and Dog of the South are yeah. fucking hilarious okay they he, all of his all of his books seem to involve uh a solitary narrator character who goes on some kind of road trip adventure yeah. and is surrounded by these ridiculous characters. <laughs> but Portis doesn't sit there and tell you this character is crazy. He yeah. gives them full voice. And just, <laughs> the narrator voice is just sitting back and letting all this craziness happen around oh, him without commenting on it. That's uh, out of show rather than to tell. Exactly. That is hilarious. Oh, and uh, uh, Aristophanes and Moliere. I love, yeah. uh, I've seen a little bit. I saw uh, Moliere airplay and i've seen like uh like a like a imagining like a reimagining of aristophanes but i read them uh i read uh tartuffe and i read like a bunch of aristophanes plays and they're, they're hilarious yeah they're very funny i read a really good translation of aristophanes i was lucky because it was a, from the 60s uh yeah uh, what was the guy's name um i have some over there you yep which one it's uh the aristophanes i think i have a couple of collections See if you see anything. See anything you like. It's uh that that's what I call my smart bookshelf. It's my bookshelf of my smart books. Sure. It's the Greek tragedy. It should be right next to the Greek tragedies, is it not? All I see is tragedy, Jackie. <laughs> the comedy's gone. I saw, oh, there we go. Lysistrata. I see Lysistrata. Uh, that's a great one. But um. Dudley Fitz, I believe, was the translator. Dudley Fitz in the sixties. F I T Z. F I T T S. Okay. Made me laugh out loud. Ever, and I've wanted to do a production of the birds ever since then because. Oh, cool. Uh, when you read it, and you realize he's just making a bunch of topical references. Yeah. You could just take the skeleton of it and then just put in a bunch of stuff and you know, update it, and, and then update it. yeah, and I yeah. Think that's more in the spirit of what he does because it was it was political and. And it was like politically dangerous and right. Uh, it was gutsy stuff. Gutsy stuff, and it was very deeply involved in the politics. The yeah, time. so you could update it and and get in trouble your own self. <laughs> You're like, let's do this. <laughs> somebody, somebody, tell me that there's a, a new production in New York uh, that's called Waiting for Waiting for Godot, and it's, it's about out in line waiting to go see it. I think it's a there. It's about the understudies for the people that are performing and waiting for Godot. Oh my. <laughs> That's a great idea. Right. It's the two characters in Waiting for Godot. They're understudies in the backstage just talking about, are either of these people ever going to get sick? No, probably not. And uh, and I guess that's the play. And I, I would really love to see that play. That sounds awesome. That does sound awesome. <laughs> what the heck? Okay. James Adomian, it has been an hour. You it's should been an hour? Yeah, yeah. But pretty quick. But we could, uh, we didn't wow, really I touch like, on. I know we, like, we were all, oh, so fun talking to you. Right, as right. always. As always. But I'll... this time on the record. On the record, we talk for reals. And so, you mostly live in New York. I'm, no, I'm moving back here. Are you moving back here? Yeah. I've, Will you get I've been in New York for two years and I have a project that are LA based, so I'm, I'm looking for a place here now. You're looking for a place here. And, and will you continue to use the bus system? Yes, yes. Um, the 27 miles. I might, of and Metro. sometime in my, I, I, I have a driver's license, so <laughs> okay. I'm able to drive. Right. And I, you know. You could get a Vespa. I'm, tr- I'm trying to not have a car. Oh, and right. You're trying drive to drive it day to day. Right. I don't like to, be a full member of, of, of the oil society, <laughs> oh, but, right. but 
I might have to break down. Who knows? Right, right. I, I just say, I, I'm not involved in so much shit and it holds me back. <laughs> so far it hasn't, it hasn't really, uh, it, it hasn't punched you in the face not having a car. It does sometimes. It does sometimes. Like if I go to Santa Monica, I have to stay there all day. Right, right. Well, because and it's fun that way, but then it's like a day trip. Right. Then it's, then you, then you're staying and you might as well go to Catalina. James Howard Kunstler. Oh, to get back, uh, I, I, see, he's, it would be, it would be sinful to call him a conspiracy theorist, but then some people would. Mm-hmm. He's a peak oil, uh, guy and, uh, uh, his podcast and, and he is a blogger. He's a, a really prolific writer of, Essays and um, what's books his and stuff. Name? James Howard Kunstler. Okay, and uh, he talks about how the automobile uh, sort of wrecked the scale of human communities that we had evolved, uh, that we were used to. Okay, for most of our history, and that all of a sudden we have these giant cities where instead of a, right. instead of a, a, a journey, a journey, uh, you know, fifty miles or forty miles away being like a major event where you, you yeah, know, you. You go do this and you spend time and it's a big deal. You just do it casually, but it wears you down physically and psychologically. Right. Oh, interesting. So I, you know, to What's me, to me, Santa, Santa Monica is a neighboring town. <laughs> and really, it got, I mean, people always complain about the, the transit system in Los Angeles and I'm like, no, it works. It works. You just, it just have takes to three hours. Uh, yeah. Cause so, it's big. That's why I try to stay on the, the, the made, the basin side of LA, like, uh, like what's be- the basin like side? between West Hollywood and downtown. Okay. Uh, that, that sort of stretch where the, there's a lot of buses and trains and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a good centralized. What I would love for them to do is to build a, a train that went parallel to the four Oh five. Yes. Went parallel to the one Oh one. Yes. Um, with those kind of exits, you know, you know that, uh, if you really want to get sad, I know we were, we might not have time to go into sure. it, but like really, I'm a transit nerd as well. Right. And, um, if you really want to get sad, if you live in Los Angeles or spend time here, <laughs> go look up the old pictures and videos of when they had the uh, streetcars yeah. in L.A. Oh, the red car? They had the red car and they had the, a different uh, company that was The only reason cars. I know that is because of Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit tells the exact truth about what happened. For real? Yes. And, and it's the only way... With they, cartoons. The, yeah. the only way you could swallow the pill is to candy, <laughs> coat it enough candy. Right, and, and to have Toontown yes. win in the end. A consortium of General Motors, Firestone Tires, and Standard Oil, which became Chevron and some other companies, right. bought the uh, streetcars in Los Angeles and the rest of the country, but they're flagship experiment was in Los Angeles and they ripped them out. They slowly choked them to death as, wow. as entities and then ripped the tracks out of the ground in the fifties and sixties. So that, so that people had to drive cars. Wow. And they had all kinds of reasons for why that would be better for the future. And they were 100% wrong. 100%. They, if you want to be really sad, go, go look at pictures of like the streetcars. You'll, there's pictures of the Coenga pass, the one one yeah. with a streetcar going up the middle of the freeway. Wow. Both ways, north Both and ways. south. Right, just two tracks. With one going one-on-one up, one traffic, going up. the old cars, but one-on-one traffic going north and south with cars, and then in the middle of the freeway, streetcars, full of people. Full of people. And you did, so you did not have to have a car to go up into Studio City back in those days. Oh my God. Well, you know, I mean, at least the metro does go in between. It'll, it'll, it'll take you into Hollywood and it'll take you to Lancashire. It'll it's take good. you to- It's really good. And I, 
I'm not a big fan of Antonio Villaraigosa, but I do have to give him credit because there's been a lot of transit projects that have uh, sprouted, that have come to fruition uh, in the year before and after he left office. Okay, oh, that that he was that he was partial. He, did, he had he, he he promised to build a. Uh, the train to the sea, a subway to the sea. That didn't quite happen yet, but yeah. there have been a lot of steps towards that. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, good work. Uh, his name is not, of course, originally Villaraigosa. Uh, he that did was a mashup. A yeah, between him and his a wife. That he, a mashup of him and his wife's name, and then, then they got divorced. But he kept his name because uh, they both... Uh, honorable, honorable to the end. Honorable to the end, even in divorce. Uh, com at jamesadomian on Twitter. Uh, J Adomian. J Adomian on yeah. Twitter. Jadomian. 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 Civilly. <laughs> and, uh, um, thank you so much for doing the Dork Forest. I had a blast here, Jackie. Thank you for having me. Uh, oh my god, it's dark out. How do I get out? Is there a oh lantern I can escape the Dork Forest? A candle? <laughs> dork, 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 dork. Perhaps a, a traveling <laughs> horseman I could pay? Possibly there will be someone to lead you out of the forest. A handsome purse? <laughs> a handsome purse will be given to you on your way out. Good day. Well, that show was awesome. Let's do the credits. JackieCation.com, that's where all the merch can be purchased, T-shirts, CDs, whatnot. If you want a magnet or I have a couple of Dork Forest patches on, they're sewable. Donate $5 and I will send you a magnet or a patch. Just tell me what you need. Anyway, JackieCation.com has my stand-up schedule. It has the merch page. It has a donation page. It has all of the information that you might ever want. In other news, the donation button is on both DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com. Feel free to donate. I would, I love it if everyone gave me a hundred dollars a year. Patrick Brady, who is in New York City and I gotta take that guy out to lunch, he fixes the audio every week. He also does the teaser videos on YouTube. So Patrick Brady is an awesome guy and I thank him for his work. Mike Rickberg sang the song you heard at the beginning, composed and sang it with his girlfriend Sarah. He's gonna sing in about a heartbeat of the Mexican hat dance and Vilmos fixes my website. So support him and his work. Thanks a lot, you guys. Take care out there. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?